Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. It's Wednesday, it's the morning after the night before. Ipswich Town played Sunderland last night, uh, live on Sky. Um, predictably and somewhat grimly, they lost 1-0. Um, so we're here to talk all about that, uh, break down the game. But I know those of you listening to this will only be interested really in one thing, which we're going to do first. Um, and to do that, obviously, I need to introduce my compadres. First of all, Andy Warren, wearing shorts around his house, like some kind of big baller. Is the one thing uh, what I ultimately had for my lunch on Monday. That, that's something else we need to get to at some point. That is important, but there is something else I think people will probably be more interested in. And the man who's going to answer that one thing is your, your friend of mine wearing a denim shirt, Stu. Very on trend. Stuart Watson, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Now then, boys, obviously on Monday, we recorded a pod about us calling for Paul Lambert's head. Um, It's one of the most listened to things we've ever done, which is great. Uh, And if that was the first time you listened to us, like uh, I understand quite a few people, it was. Please do stick with us for this gold. We'll talk about chewing tobacco. We'll talk about various other things, what Andy had for his lunch. And we'll also give you the Ipswich Town inside info um, that only we can bring you, really. Uh, and I know off the back of that, Stu, a lot of people were asking last night and will be interested to know as they tune into this this morning. We speculated that that Lambert might be frosty with us and with you, who tends to deal with him face-to-face most of the time. It was the first time you got to, you got to see him since we called for his head last night after the game, after Town had lost. How did it go? It was fine it was it was awkward uh, as we knew it would be but it was never going to be the big show the big confrontation the big drama that I think some people expected maybe hoped it would be um, I'm very conscious that we're, we're not the story here Ipswich Town is the story um, was kind of tipped off before you know I just uh, Asked beforehand, the press officers, is he going to speak to us? Give us a little heads up. What, what's his? What, what's he thinking? And they said, well, he's obviously, he's obviously not happy. Which, he, you know, no one would be if you've, if someone's calling for for your job for your head. So, um, he was, he had an air of deflation about him last night. What makes this all a little bit? more awkward is he's clearly still not very well at all I think anyone can see that when they've seen him on on the cameras um still coughing away during his interviews um he did his media circuit of Sky and then ITV Anglia and then the club website and then it came to the sort of uh the local guys which was Brenner Brenner Woolley obviously leads it for Suffolk and by that point pretty much all ground has been covered Brenner had given him quite a good grilling on, you know, do you fear for your future? Have you spoken to Marcus? Is it fair that you're under pressure? So I didn't really need to go there. I didn't feel like we needed to sort of, it would just be sort of stoking the hornet's nest for the for the sake of it, really. Um, kicking a man while he's down, quite frankly. So I chucked in a few questions at the end about, you know, maybe going for a striker with a, with a Jackson suspension and um, stuff like that and got some fairly short frosty answers you know almost sort of one two word answers um and that was it really and uh as to be expected you know we've uh we've called for the guy to be sacked so i'm not <laughs> expecting him i'm not expecting sort of a warm handshake, handshake. Yeah. yeah so um yeah, we talked about it on the last pod didn't we it's, it's left us in an awkward situation now for however long going forwards but um yeah, no, no great fireworks in short. Mm. He doesn't. He does. He really doesn't look well, does he? Um, I mean, he was he was coughing and spluttering throughout the Sky interview. He, he's clearly still not very well. He was asked though, wasn't he, about whether he feared for his job, um, and, and he he went back to what he, he's often trotted out um, when this has come up, which is basically it's up to Marcus what he does. I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, so we shall see. Yeah, that's his guy again. People always sort of then read into read into that. I mean, that's been his go-to line now for what Andy more, more than a year. I think we heard that before he even signed the five-year contract. There were questions when it which started to hit some poor form leading up to Christmas. We're looking at two years. Two years, 19. I think. Uh, he's he's started talking about that in the championship when they hadn't gone down. Those yeah. the game they lost at home to Hull around March time in in 2019. It's 
like that has been a well trodden, well trodden path for Paul, hasn't it? He, he's got his stock phrases. He has them thrown at him in a bit of a mocking fashion sometimes, but he's. I think he's used the same expressions in the media going back a decade. Essentially, if you look back <laughs> through, if you look back a lot through his old clubs and things that he's done, it's um, it's quite repetitive. Mm. What he did say after the game, Stewie, was that he was pretty happy with the performance. Um, which, given what had happened after ten minutes last night, obviously Caden Jackson committing GBH on uh, on Bailey Wright. I think for once, I mean, obviously he is prone to, to hyperbole and, and bigging up things that, that weren't that good. See Peterborough on Saturday. But after what happened with Caden Jackson last night, he had a point, didn't he? They, they, they weren't that bad last night. It's really hard to judge this one in the, <clears throat> in the wider narrative of things at the moment because ultimately they've lost the game and ultimately it's still another defeat to one of the better sides in League One. It's another game where they've not scored. But if you kind of take this match in isolation, I think he's right on this occasion. I think it was a it was a performance full of fight and spirit given the circumstances of playing with ten men for what eight eighty minutes plus stoppage time. Um there was nothing in that game. Um for lot for long spells you couldn't really see that there was a difference. Sunderland looked bang average to me. I don't know whether it's just because they're a side in transition under a new manager playing new style. I didn't think they were anything special even up at their place before the managerial change. And and that to me is what kind of makes what's unfolding a little bit more galling because I think I haven't seen anyone that's particularly stood out in League One this year. Um, but, you know, it, it was it was a, I thought it was a reasonable performance last night but we keep using words like reasonable and okay and all right and yes it was with 10 men they frustrated they were organized they were spirited they limited Sunderland's chances they had some decent breakaway chances themselves Luke Thomas had had the big moment in the second half didn't he where he he took the ball on his chest and worked himself half a yard and fired fired too close to the goalkeeper but um so it's really hard to kind of put that that result and performance into context um, with everything else that's going on, but but it is still a, another defeat. Mm. Hutchie, Hutchie, what did you make of the the KJ red card, which obviously was the turning point in the game to happen so early? Watching it kind of as live, I, I thought it was a bad tackle. I was surprised when the red card came out, but then when you see the replay, it was a horrendous tackle. Mm. No excuse for it whatsoever. What, what did you make of it and, and your thoughts on the game? Our view of it is quite different to to uh, watching it on TV. From from where we were, it was we, we were both really quite shocked when the red card came out after the initial tackle. But you look at the you look at the replay; it's horrific. It's start he starts above the shin pad, doesn't he, and kind of rakes his foot. Fortunately, mm. it wasn't a proper a proper stamp through there. It was more of a rake, but you start at the top of the shin pad, work your way down Bailey Wright's leg. And, you know, that, that can break people's legs, can't it? The way, the way he's gone in there, um, turned his back on the way in. There's, there's no malice. He's probably gone in there trying to kind of get his foot around the ball and use his body to shield it and, and turn to go back towards the Sunderland goal. But, um, pretty reckless, uh, and, and, and again, a three game, a three game ban for him, uh, at a time where strikers are, are vanishing, <laughs> like they're like gold dust for Ipswich at the moment, they they were lucky to have him back in the side. Um, they now won't have him for another three games, and and he was sent off against Oxford back in I think it was February of last season at the exact same scenario with with a real striker shortage for a a silly stampy kind of kicky. Kiki outy red card, um, and it and it cost them then as well, and it, it could cost them now, um, because you looked at that starting starting front three of Jackson, Thomas, Edwards, and you felt a bit more positive about that. There's energy there, um, some running, some Andre Dizel we know has got some fantastic through balls in his in his arsenal, um, and finally some players ahead of him that can can get on the end of them, but like less than 10 minutes in and, and you've lost the, the focal point of the team. And really, quite honestly, from from there, they, they were 
you you never thought they were going to win this game. But if if they'd got to half time at nil nil, I don't know. They they could have taken something from that. That was a we'll get onto the goal in a minute. But that was a, mm. a proper hammer hammer blow to concede a goal like that just before half time because it undid an awful lot of really hard work. Mm. And, and to his credit. Caden's come out and apologised straight away on Twitter, said he cost the, cost the team three points and it, it's nowhere near good enough, which I think shows character. You just wonder if he was that fired up for the game, um, obviously a, a chance to play up front, um, and he's, he's he's kind of got overexcited and obviously has then paid for it. Um, Stu, after that, Town were all right. Obviously, they were playing without a striker, but, but Sunderland weren't really breaking them down until, like Hutchie said, that hammer blow, literally on the stroke of half-time, Inch perfect cross, White's not really tracked, uh, and he finishes well, and then that's it. Yeah, I think they got a bit excited in the closing stages of that that first half because they'd done the hard work. We were a bit surprised that there was no change or no tactical tweak after the red card. Normally, you see a, a sub or a, or at least a reshuffle straight after a red card, but they stuck with basically playing with no striker. There was no no central striker there, so it was a 4-3 with two wide men. I guess it almost became a 4-5-0 at times, um, and Sunderland didn't didn't have an answer to that. Um, Ipswich were organised. They were, they were energetic. We've talked about them maybe being a bit lethargic and ponderous at times. I would say in these last few games, they have upped their intensity levels, and they have... I, I would say sort of run harder. The, the reaction since that Swindon game where we talked about sort of lethargy and I would say, you know, Burton, they went and worked really hard there defensively. Peterborough, you know, I, I thought they played a bit higher up the pitch and with a bit more energy. And again, yesterday, but the failings are, are still in the in the final third. I'll come on to that in a minute because that, that was we saw that in the second half. But yeah, you heard the Sky commentators in front of us saying, or oh, Ipswich seem to be growing in confidence here as we near the end of the half. And they just had a, I don't know whether they just got a little bit excitable and, and maybe thought, oh, we can go and nick something here when really they should have just been, just just capped off the good work. They, they'd kind of um, taken the wind out of any kind of Sunderland sails and just get in at halftime nil-nil. But they, they maybe started committing a few men forwards and, and they paid for it in stoppage time. Stephen Ward, who I hate to say, is beginning to look a bit of a, a weak link for Twitch at the moment. We, we all know how well he started the season, but he's, you know, he's a 35-year-old churning out Saturday, Tuesday games. Um, I think he gets a bit narrow at times. He got caught up the field on this occasion. They got in behind him, and then Ipswich got pulled out of place all over the, you know, McGuinness comes racing out to try and block the cross. The, the whole defence gets pulled out of shape and it's good movement from Wyke. It's a good delivery from power and it's, it's a decent finish on the stretch as well. And as you say, that's a, a hammer blow on half time and, and one really that Ipswich were always going to struggle to come back from. Mm. What did you make of the second half, Hutchie? Town brought the man Drizzy on, who, who was at least a, a striker and, and worked hard as he always does, had a, a few kind of half opportunities to, to make things happen um, but really the only chance they had to get back in it was was from Luke Thomas wasn't it yeah yeah when, when you when you if you're playing with 10 men for 80 minutes you're not going to get many chances and but when you get them you have to take them and, and that was one they they had to take and I think probably we knew at that moment that that was that was the game um, nice little ball from Dizelle clever little chest down from Thomas inside on his left and the shot, the shot. To use the cliche, it was a nice height for the keeper. It wasn't, it wasn't in the corner, and that kind of opening is one they they needed to take. They had a few others. Um, Guion Edwards really should have slipped in. Stephen Ward, he he had his head down there, and Ward was in a load of space to get inside the box and maybe have a shot or even uh, even a cross. But they worked hard. They, you know. But yeah, from that Thomas, from that Thomas chance, I just didn't think there was a route back, a route mm. back into it from there. Sadly, um, which is a shame. And, and like Stu said, it, it, it feeds. This is another game that will feed into all the statistics, all the negative runs, all the obviously it's had an impact on the league table. But it's a bit of an anomaly in uh, 
uh, both the Sunderland games actually are, are probably anom- anomalies in in everything that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, given the controversial refereeing stuff at the Stadium of Light, and then uh, and then the ten men here. But um, sadly, they all feed in. They all feed into the stats and the table and everything like that, which is um, which is the important thing, really. Mm. Siri, it's the first time obviously we've seen Luke Thomas from the start of a game. I thought he looked lively. Obviously, he had he had the best chance as well. What did you make of him on 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 first start? Yeah, he obviously made an impact off off the bench, didn't he? Um, at the weekend and and kind of continued that. He's um he's direct. He's he's lively. Um, he's definitely added added something to the squad. Um, him and Edwards on on either flank is uh, I think should be a an exciting prospect in in this league. Um. It's just a shame they didn't really have a striker to kind of work with for, for most of the game. Um, Drynan came on and I thought added something to them when he came on in the, was it the 55th minute, something like that, wasn't it? Um, immediately he had, he's got qualities, Drynan. We've talked about him enough times on here. He occupies centre-halves. Immediately, I think he... He left one of the centre-halves sort of dumped on, on the deck and I just think he, he stopped the ball coming back so quickly. Um, but I don't know. There's just something just lacking there with, with Drynan. He's, he's, uh, he works hard. He's got qualities. But I just I can't see the goals in his mm. game and his goals that Ipswich Town need at the moment. I don't think he worry. I don't think he worries defenders in terms of a goal threat because all of all his good work and and it is useful. Like he is the best probably link striker that they've got, um, but all of his good work is coming away from goal. He kind of comes away from goal to touch it off, um, which is important stuff to do. But he just I don't think I don't think defenders will look at him and and worrying about where he's going to be or, or what he's going to do. And you know he's still a He's 22, isn't he? But he's probably got as much football in his legs as you'd expect from maybe an 18 or a 19-year-old. He's very, mm. he, he's very raw. He's, in football terms, younger than than he is, and he's been asked to do an awful lot. So it, it's maybe a bit unfair to, to kind of a have so much on his shoulders and b sort of dig him out for it. But for but for me, for me, that there just isn't the goal threat from him or the worrying of, of defenders it's all it's all 30 yards from goal um he should have scored a goal by now he deserves a goal with a couple of couple of headers that he's had but they really need to either get one of these strikers back fit um Caden Jackson needs to avoid being suspended for three games at times like this or they need to bring somebody in because their big problem is scoring goals and I don't think the answer is Aaron Drynan sadly yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we're going to come to this later, but we might as well talk about it now because we're on the subject. Um, Town have got another shortage of strikers, Drynan and Sears. Really, this is a, we're not even talking about Freddie Sears, are we? I, but he is a striker. Uh, yeah, I know. We should, we should be. I think it's yeah. you know people have forgotten that he is he is a striker, and it's only been really it was Mick that kind of Mick McCarthy that kind of turned him into this left wide left man that sort of chugs up and down and work, works hard. Um, but, you know, he played as a, as a number 10, I think, when it was at Col- when Nipswich signed him from Colchester, he was kind of playing as a deep, a deep lying forward and was sort of getting goals there. He's, um, he was a kind of an on-the-shoulder striker when he first came through at, at West Ham, I think. He was he obviously sort of had his best spell at Ipswich as a, as a front two alongside Daryl Murphy. Um but he's he's a he's an intelligent player, Freddie Sears. There's been a few little veiled digs towards Aaron Drynan, or, or just little comments from Lambert about sort of Drynan's movement in the box, and he needs to kind of work on a few things. And you know, I think they want to see him get across people at the near post, and perhaps all the little bits of movement that that we don't all notice, but you know, people in the game do. And um, Freddie Sears isn't going to go there and make the ball stick and win flick-ons and do all of that sort of stuff. But that's not the way Ipswich play anyway. And I thought Freddie had played his part when he came on off the bench against Peterborough at the, at the weekend. So um, we'll talk probably now about whether Ipswich need to sign a striker. But for me, if you've, you know, you've got Freddie Sears, let's... So why, why is... Why is... Why is Paul Lambert turning to Aaron Drynan before Freddie Sears then? Why why do you 
why do you think that is it the physical side of it is that, I think probably is last night is probably the circumstances of the game against 10 men and someone that can just go on and, and fight and scrap and um, probably someone that just needed to maybe Drynan's going to be someone that makes the ball stick and just just earns your defense a bit of a breather when it's when it's 10 men so I can maybe understand it in the circumstances of the 10 men um, yesterday but sort of going forwards if it's a if it's a straight choice between Drynan and Sears mm. going going on Saturday and you need to start sort of it's not it's not happening in terms of goals I'd be looking at Freddie all yeah. day long I, th- I think that the kind of striker that, that Drynan is puts a lot more pressure on the wingers to be the source of goals and that's not necessarily a bad thing if you um we've seen that Guion can score goals the the, the knock on Luke Thomas from uh, from his time at Coventry was that he was an excellent player for them, but he he just did not take chances that he had. He he should have scored a lot more goals than he had. So he clearly he can get in the right positions. He just needs to just needs to finish. If you play Drynan, there's a lot of pressure on those two to be the what the deliverer that like deliver the goals and for the ten to get forward beyond Drynan. But if you if you play Sears like like you're suggesting, Stu, I think you would you would then have more threat from your central striker, wouldn't you, in terms of goal? Threat? Yeah, and I don't want to overstate that because ultimately we're talking about Freddie Sears, who went on has had some incredible goal droughts during his time at Ipswich. Yes, obviously he's not been playing as a, as a striker, and I've never felt for a while when I've seen Freddie play when he goes through one on one, he's not someone that I'm I'm going to be betting my mortgage on to, to finish. Um, but in the current circumstances, I just think that might be the, the route to go down. It's it's far from ideal, don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they're going to be extremely limited in terms of what they can. The question is, can you go and get anyone better? That's that's the that's the question for it. Can we sign a striker that's going to be able to be better than Freddie Sears and hit the ground running? We'll come on to that in a minute. Just one question. Is there any, you said there about Drynan works hard, has value, links up play, gets touches on, flicks on, um, but doesn't like scoring. Is there any argument at all to try him and Sears together? Um, yeah, there's an argument for it. I don't think we'll see it because yeah. th- there's, we've not seen Hawkins paired with, with anybody we've not we've not seen even Jackson and, and Norwood we haven't seen them paired mm. together so yeah there's there's always an argument to talk about it in terms of co- combinations it's they called they call Drynan and Murph don't they and if we're talking about Freddie Sears and that's when his best football came with with Daryl Murphy obviously Drynan's not with respect he he's not he's not Daryl Murphy is he but there's an argument for it I don't I don't think we'll see it though no. are you calling for four four Fucking two in the, in the style of Mike Bassett. He's got, he's got he's got just, his bag packet. He's written down his team. If we if we look at the qualities that that the guys have got, you know, Drynan, as you say, works hard. Will will get touches on. Sears working off that. Yeah, it's it's yeah for a team that's struggling really badly for goals. I do think sometimes it's massively overplayed. Oh, can't not scoring goals, therefore play more strikers. And I think sometimes we're all guilty of kind of just calling for just chuck more strikers on and, you know. But in this instance, plan A is just not working for Ipswich at the moment. We've said this time and time again, we all wanted to see them stick to a system, work on a philosophy, have an identity. But that's just not working at the moment with the players they've got available. And um why not? Why not try that four four two and and just create a bit? You got you're now going to have two old fashioned wingers. You could have two up front. My only concern is there might be games where they get overrun in midfield because most teams play with three in the middle. And is Dazel enough of a? Is he providing enough defensively to players in in a two? I'm not sure about that. Likewise with. Mind you, I mean Bishop played in a four four two for for the playoff season, didn't he? It was him and him and Scoos as were the main two, so he's shown he can do that before. Downs, I think, was a, was a positive for me um, last night in that you can just see his battery sort of levels recharging by the game. I thought he looked like a fifty percent player in the first game back, and he's just there was just a few glimpses of the Flynn Downs of old. So I think he could do a lot of the the running and the 
the gritty stuff in in a two maybe in midfield. Um, there's definitely a valid debate for it, but there's no way, absolutely no way, I can see them moving away from four three three. That that seems to be non-negotiable. Yeah. Hey, listen, I know that Drynan and Sears as a front two is far from ideal, but this is a situation we're in. We're in that because there are no other strikers, really. Um, so let's talk about potential of bringing someone in, Stu. It's obviously deadline day Monday. Um, town haven't got any strikers apart from the two we've mentioned and some young kids as well. Um, what chance they, they bring someone in? I think they may well have a dabble in the transfer market. I think... Um... They're going to be limited to a young one. Um, we know the constraints of the salary cap. I don't know how well we've explained this on, on previous pods before. But the, the the cap of 2.5 million is limited to the... Forget anyone under 21. They don't count. You can just have them free. So forget about them. It's 2.5 million over your 22 senior players. And, that, and that's it. Um, Ipswich are now up to the, the maximum 22 um, and they're bang on the 2.5 million. So they've got no no leeway. So if, it, if it's someone senior that comes in, somebody else needs to be not necessarily shipped out, but they would have to be un, unregistered. You could keep them, you could pay them, but you're just not allowed to play them, which isn't ideal. Um, so it's more likely that they're going to go for a kid and... Um, It'll be a you know it'll be a Premier League or a Championship youngster who's probably scoring goals for a 23s team. Um, that that would be the route they'd go down. Right thing to do, Hutchie. Bring bring a youngster in. Um, before last night, I'd have said no. Um, I think the Jackson suspension. I know it was only going to be two games post transfer window. Um, that he will be suspended for the crew game first up, obviously. I think that changes it a little bit. For me, it depends where Norwood is. Um, if if there's a hope that James Norwood's going to be back on the field at the weekend um, and consistently on the pitch, prob- probably not. I wouldn't be rushing to do it necessarily. But if, if clearly they're still going to have concerns about his hamstring, it's an issue. It's been an issue for a long time. And even if you can get him back on the field, he's shown probably two or three times this season that that he might might not be able to stay there. So uh, an un, an under twenty one championship Premier League loanee is very little risk, isn't it? There's there's little to lose. So so maybe why not? Um, if we're talking about it being an awful lot on Aaron Drynan's shoulders, it, it's then if you're coming in and if you're asking this this teenager or 20-year-old to, to be a, a kind of a main man at a promotion-chasing club, it's a big ask, particularly given they'll have very limited first-team experience. But you never you never know. Like some, 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 some of these guys kind of catch fire. There was one at um, Northampton, last season on loan from West Brom. I think he's called Callum, Callum Morton, who very inexperienced, but ended up helping lead that team to, to promotion. So you, you never know. And it, and it's risk-free you'd think on, uh, on someone like that. So that there's nothing to lose with it. Is there? Hmm. hmm. Watch this space. We shall see the boys are working the phones um, all the time, pretty much often when I, uh, I try and call one of the guys they are on the phone seeing what they can find out, working that rumour mill and the, the various things, the, the dark arts of journalism, shall we say. Boys, we jumped ahead of ourselves there, transfer-wise and striker-wise. Any, any other notes from, from the game? I want to talk about Gwion Edwards a bit as well uh, and his contract situation, because you spoke to him after the game, Hutchie. But is there anything else you just want to mention about the game before we move on to Gwion? Um, we've covered downs, I thought was a... Was a was a positive. I think the quicker they get him back to to the Flynn Downs of old, I think that could make it a, a massive thing. You mentioned Norwood there, how how quickly he could be back. I understand they they tried to get him back into training yesterday morning just to see how he was. Um, you know, really almost leaving it to the last minute to see whether he could whether he could play, but obviously didn't didn't come through that fitness test. So hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Um, for me, a big part of all this is kind of the fallback issues at the moment. Um, 
in a 4-3-3, you need marauding fullbacks that are contributing um, in that sense. And I just don't think it's happening enough from, from Warden Chambers, certainly not like it was at the start of this season. Um, the, the balance of this team is just isn't quite right. You've got the sort of the ageing fullbacks and then a very inexperienced central defensive duo or, or young central defensive duo. McGuinness gets a lot of plaudits because of, you know, you see the big blocks. He made a goal line block and he, he made a, a lunging interception to block a cross and he, he climbs sort of towers above people, 10 foot in the air to win headers and, that all looks great and it's, you know, it's a no-nonsense defender, old school, don't get them, dying breed, all of that. But I still think he's learning when to engage and when not to engage. And there were times when Charlie White schooled him a little bit with his experience, just the dark arts of centre-forward play, just, you know, a couple of times. He, he knew that McGuinness couldn't disengage and he knew, so he just sort of backed into him and then won, won the foul and just little clever things like that, a little bit of now. So um, I, I like Mark McGuinness. I, I love watching defenders like that. But the debate comes back to he's he's learning on the job. There's some raw edges there. And Ipswich are developing a player for somebody else, ultimately. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the debate that... Uh, there is to be had around Mark, I would say. He's like, they can't, they can't do anything about it, can they? In terms of fullbacks, what they can't they can't do anything about it. Now we've talked about Danassian at length. Hey, hey, hey! There was a there was a rare Miles Kenlock sighting last night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it, it's a, it's a bit surprising, isn't it? That, they can't. They can't really do anything about this now, especially with Toto injured. I think there's possibly a little muscle tear there, which will keep him out for a little while. Um, and you, I, I am struggling to see how you can get two 35-year-olds going in this run that they've got coming up, because that's not the kind of the environment to suddenly find a new lease of life for them, isn't it? I'm struggling for a, a new lease of life, and I'm not playing in the games. How, how do they do it? Because that's what they do. They're paid to be professional athletes. No. Well, oh well. My question was how how do that how do they get the fullbacks going? Oh, I see. Sorry, like, that, not. How do they actually do it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to see it. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of options there, are there? The one that that would be an option, of course, is at Fleetwood and and doing all right there. Um, Guion Edwards. Then should we move on to, to post game? Guion, uh, you spoke to him after the game, Hutchie. He, he looked bright, as he always does. He has that head-down tendency, doesn't he? Weakness in his game to tr- dribble into corners and tight spots and perhaps not play the pass that's on. Um, you spoke to him after the game about his contract. Yeah, that was the most interesting part of that for me. Um, he said all the right things about about the game. I think I think he's enjoying playing again. It's good to see him playing again. He's adding something for Ipswich. Mm. Which is in, which is important, but he he's one of, depending on who you want to count as a first team player, um, he's one of nineteen that are not contracted beyond this season. I'm, I'm saying nineteen. It could be different if you, depending on whether you count Tristan Nydam as a first team player or not. I'm going to, um, but he he says the club haven't haven't been in contact regarding a new one. He he was the last player we spoke to before the, the big shutdown back in March of 20, 2020. And at that time he said they'd been taught, they'd started talking and that he wanted to stay, but there's been very little, very little since. Um, and he's an interesting one because he, there's no longer an option to take for him. This is his option year. He's playing in kind of the protection year of it, of it, which which is contract over him. So, uh, I find it interesting that they haven't necessarily spoken about a new one for him because there's a lot of them out of contract. But of that list, he's probably the one that you would think there might have been something going on for, given that he w- was in such red-hot form, scoring those goals, and he's the one with the least contract protection. I think the vast majority of the others have got options there, so can be automatically retained. Uh, I don't know about you, Stu, but he, he would be he would be of that list the one that I would be looking to tie down simply because there might, there's, there's some value in him there, given given his age. Yeah, absolutely. That should be should be top priority. Um, 
I guess whatever whatever that whenever that conversation starts, if I was Guion Edwards, I'd be saying, um, "I'm holding fire because if he if he can sort of replicate that early season form um, or something close to it for the rest of the, the season, he'd be in a strong position as a free agent. Hopefully, being he'd get himself a championship club. I think he's proven enough in his career now and this season that that somebody in the championship would take him. And with the way the salary cap is, you'll be earning a hell of a lot more money at a championship club than you are going to be at, at League One now. So it's all very well saying Ipswich need to start these negotiations, but I don't think they would probably lead anywhere at this this moment in time. If I, I think Guion would be keeping his options open right, right to the last moment. But um, it does seem slightly strange that that conversation hasn't at least, that dialogue hasn't at least started in some capacity hmm. okay boys this weekend town are at crew alexandra who technically qualify as promotion rivals at the moment obviously they're a, a place above town in ninth they have played quite a few games more they got hammered last night at gillingham how big a game is this for town and for lambert i'm wildly speculating we don't uh, here but next week town don't have a game after that they have a game every week for about three years uh, midweek game I'm talking about. If you were going to make a move, next week would be a good window, wouldn't it? If I was a if I was a football club owner and considering considering making that change, I would particularly in the the horizon that's ahead in in ter- what's on the horizon in terms of uh, Saturday Tuesday games. Yeah, I, if you were considering it, it would make sense to to give your new man a, f- a full run a, a, like a full week's run ahead of their first game but mm. um i don't think i don't think we're necessarily in that in that kind of situation at the moment i don't know if if they lose at crew which given their current run of form is not beyond the realms of possibility that would be three defeats in a row there's obviously a lot of pressure on on lambert how, how big is this game for you Stu? It's the biggest game since the last game. Yes. How many times do we say this about being, this is a big game, big juncture for the club. Next six games could shape the season and the, this ne- next game's massive for Lambert. Um, Have we ever said this next game isn't really that important and it's, it's quite dull? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Some people yeah, uh, say that about the EFL trophy, but they are... Not you. They are, they are wrong. They're wrong. Yeah, they've only got a blank midweek next week because um, Wimbledon went and got through in the bloody Papa John's trophy, yeah. didn't they? They, they rescheduled the Wimbledon game for next Tuesday, but that's had to get moved again. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it would make sense to do it in, in a sort of a blank week. I, I've got no idea if... I don't think we know what Marcus is thinking. I, I imagine that's a very small circle of people that will be let into kind of his inner inner thoughts. If there's any doubts starting to fester, obviously publicly, time and time again, he's made it clear he's backing his man. There was, what, two public votes of confidence before. Now there's been the response to, to our statement this week, again, sort of backing it up. But um, he has proven, as much as his modus operandi is to give managers as long as possible and stick to the Ipswich Town's traditions of giving managers time and not being a sacking club. He's a, he's a ruthless businessman who has shown that, you know, with, with Paul Hurst, that if he feels it's the time and he's, you know, he's sacked Jewel, he's, he's sacked Keane um, mid-season. Um, I'm sure when, once he's decided it's time, he will make the call. But mm. how, how imminent that is, I can't, none of us can honestly sit here and tell you at this moment in time. As I say, wild speculation there, but to me, that's a window. Watch this space, or perhaps don't. Any, th- <laughs> any thoughts on on Crew Hotchy? They were they were unbeaten for ten games before they got tonked at, at Gillingham mm-hmm. last night. Um, yeah. So obviously a, a, a team in form. They'll be looking to bounce back on Saturday. Yeah. No good. You could certainly in the conversation for the best team that that we've seen this season. Um, be interesting to see where they're at with with certain players leaving. Um, by the weekend, they've already sold Perry, 
Are we pronouncing this ung or ng? Perry. Ung. Perry. Ung. But Perry, if it's if he's of New Zealand origin, which I believe he might be, it's ung. Um, friend of mine had uh, used to live in New Zealand. Had a mate called Lip Chow Ung. Fun fact. Um, but he's gone. He's gone to Cardiff. He was their he was their captain. They've sold him to Cardiff. He was the best left back in League Two when Ipswich signed Kane Vincent Young from League Two, according to the crew manager. And they could well be selling the other fullback this week as well. Harry Pickering is a load of Championship clubs. I understand who are lining up to take him. So that they were the they were kind of their their two bright young stars. One's gone, the other could be gone by by the weekend. So um, be interesting to see what what's kind of what's left of of that side by then because clearly they've attracted attention but they're not just they're not just those young players there's some like old stages in there like Chris Porter who's been playing for them he scored last night um so yeah they're, they're a good side they play good football and they caused Ipswich trouble um back back when they came to Portman Road so I would expect I'd expect the same again really um two teams that are going to like to pass the pass the ball in theory it it could be a bit of a pass fest. 65% possession crew had last night. That's what Ipswich have been used to in sub games without scoring. So um, it'll be a it'll be a case of whether Ipswich can can find a find a real goal threat from somewhere. I think that would that would decide this one. But it's not mm. going to be easy, that's for sure. Mm. Stu, yeah, as Andy says, I think they're they're right up there in terms of the best teams that um, we've seen this season. Probably you'd put. Doncaster, possibly even MK Dons in that conversation. In terms of sort of pure footballing sides, I, I crew I thought dominated at Portman Road for large parts of that game. That Ipswich managed to win one nil um, earlier in the season. Um, as Andy says, there is perhaps a slightly different team now. Um, see what their reaction is to to losing last last night. Um, They've obviously gone above Ipswich in the table now. So these are all just little sobering reminders of where Ipswich are at. That you know, without sounding horribly disrespectful, it's just like kind of below Crew in the table now, and Lincoln, who are top again. Lincoln are a, a well-supported, good-sized football club, but um, you know, it wasn't how many years ago? Three, four years ago that Ipswich were. Being nationally embarrassed, Championship Ipswich to a to non-league Lincoln, and now Lincoln sort of t- top the table in a division that Ipswich are kind of labouring mid-table in. It's uh, these are all just little reminders of how how Ipswich Town has fallen, a steady sort of dilution of of standards mm. over over some time. Mm. And it's also a bit of a, a reminder to me of how how much progress you can make as as a football team. Without spending loads of money, but installing a philosophy that that suits the players that you've got, and that you're you're committed to, and and give just give the give the right amount of time to um, David Artell has has taken this team up through the divisions. They they've brought young players through at, at a club where there's a philosophy for playing this way, and it clearly suits them and. This is, you don't have to spend loads. You don't have to be a League One big boy to to necessarily make some make some progress. Um, it, but like Sue says, it is all quite sobering, isn't it? Like Crew, Crew will, aside from some some issues which we're not going to discuss, Crew were always a club that um, that you look at. And kind of you, you admired what they did in terms of in terms of progression of young players like Dean Ashton, Robbie Savage, Neil Lennon, players like that all came all came through. Rob Hulse was a player that used to cause Ipswich loads of trouble, and they can they've consistently done it over the years. But it seems like they're getting going again now in, in terms of letting these players do it for them on the pitch. Have either of you ever had a crew cut? Describe to me a, a crew cut. It's basically a flat top, isn't it? Okay. Obviously, obviously not an option for you now, Stu. But um, I'd imagine Hutcher, you've got the hair that would that would suit a crew cut. What would I? How would I? What What would I do with the sides? You just shave the sides and kind of square off what, the just top. Complete... Yeah, that would look great. Yeah. <laughs> get it. I need a. I need a haircut. Look at this. Oh, mate, my hair, my lockdown hair is getting mental. I think it's going to have to be salon Liz at some point. 
But she's um, great. She did a great job earlier in the year. She did all right. Yeah, she's got high high expectations of of, of uh, something to live up to if she does cut my hair again. Um, but yeah, crew cut. I had I had a, a few crew cuts back in the day. Do you remember when undercuts were also a thing? I never had one myself, but you know, during the sort of the nineties stage is, of of the curtains the, with a kind of shaved underneath yeah, the floppy bit on top. Steps, floppy the, nonsense. It was the step, wasn't it? I had a step back in the day. It was like a kind of that, as you describe didn't suit me at all and i we've we've talked about before how much hairspray i used and subsequently got into trouble as a result potentially being sent away to rehab (laughs) boys um let's finish it's been a very football heavy analysis heavy pod which obviously is one of the things that we like to think we do well and and the reason that people tune in let's finish with some the key question though hutchie as a way of finishing with a bit of light um is your roof sorted what did you have for lunch Take the roof first. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on. There, there's no longer a man in the roof, but he, <laughs> which is good. I, yeah. At least I think. At least I'm pretty sure he's. That's not a, there. that's a positive. Yeah. But he. This was on Monday, right? And he he left the house. Like at a time, I didn't know that he'd left. I was working upstairs and he'd gone. But his ladder is still there. I'll just <laughs> pop you out the window. Look at that. His ladder. His ladder that... is just tied to our roof. Like that... in our essentially down our back, in our back garden. I'm really confused about it. I couldn't get hold of him yesterday. That I is the, that is the plot from one of the IT crowd episodes, isn't it? When uh, when Roy is is terrified of people thinking he's a, he's a uh, a window cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what's going on. I, I couldn't get hold of the guy yesterday. He's left his ladder here. I don't I don't know if he's fixed our roof or not. Um, it's like some kind of test. Yeah, all very confusing. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. Uh, I don't really like ladders. Um, So I'm considering... Do I want to go up it? I don't know. I think you you almost have to. I don't know. Have you checked your your roof to see if this guy's kind of not storing anything sort of yeah. illegally um, no i've not been up in the loft but yeah, maybe, drugs in there or something maybe that should be the next move it, i think it seems a shame if there is a ladder there not to climb it yeah it's it's really high and and really it's one of those skinny ladders as well um yeah i'm really confused by it i don't know what's going on it gives us something to talk about in the next pod though the, the drama yeah of the punch probably- ladder and possibly the one after that. I don't know. Where where right? Where is Kevin? <laughs> what did you have for lunch, Hutchie? There was there was a there was a debate going on between a filthy kebab and a, a three course um meal. I, I met that somewhere in the middle. I, I received a, a takeaway sandwich from an American company who are clad in green and a little bit of yellow. Um outstanding that's, option. that's what I did. I'm not gonna mention their name unless they sponsor the podcast. Good option because they don't deserve they don't deserve the free shout out and quite quite frankly they don't need it, um, but yeah it was all right it was an all right sandwich. Good update, Stewie. Can I make a food confession before we go? Mm. Did you did you have a greasy kebab? I feel like this should have sort of the the confession music played over the top. The da, 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 da. <laughs> last night Hutchie and I so we finished all our work. Hutchie yeah. and I had a long chat in the in the car park of uh, Archant Towers before going our separate ways at what, half past 11, something like that. Got in my car. Hadn't really eaten a great deal. Oh, no. I'm heading heading out to the west of the county down down Norwich Road. And I just, the, the, the twinkly lights of, of, I'm ashamed to say this, the twinkly lights of Bodrum Kebab. Bodrum? Oh, good lord! Caught my eye. I bumped the car up to up the curb. I jumped out, and in I went, and instantly regretted it. What are you doing? But once I was in, I was I was you locked were in. in. You were in, and I just sat there in in my vehicle at, at gone midnight eating that, and I I felt utterly horrendous for it today. Why do you have? What I was don't your... just uh, just all just all meat and pitter and that. Just chuck it in, don't they? Into, into, into some, the... some elephant leg. It's yeah. not meat. It's not meat, though, is it? It's not meat. No, <laughs> it's not. You should you never have... ever shave things. 
and no. have the and have the droppings in a bit of bread. That is. I don't know why I did it. It's... The only the only exception to that would be Parmesan cheese, but obviously, that's yeah, an that... entirely different level of. That's true. That, I, I can't believe that anyone has ever had a kebab and enjoyed it unless they were ten pints in. It was a panic decision, and I I'm, I feel really really bad about it today, both <laughs> both mentally and physically. <laughs> you paid the price. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> they, they call those kebabs gyros in America, Hutchie. Did you know that? Call them gyros. Weird. Anyway, mm. I'm not um, into it. I prefer kebab. Yeah, I'm not into kebabs, boys. <laughs> and that's the note we're going to leave you on. <laughs> um, all right then, boys. So we have. A big game coming up at the weekend. The biggest game since the last game, as, as Stu rightfully said. It's transfer deadline day on Monday. There's a lot going on. We've called for Lambert's head in case you'd forgotten about that. Um, any other business, boys, before we uh, we get on with, with our day? No, no other, other business. business. Superb. Thanks for joining us. Uh, leave us a five-star review, please, on iTunes if you can. That helps us greatly in the visibility in the charts with all those new listeners. It'd be great if you could give us a, a five-star review. Uh, and also follow us across all our social media, um, Kings of Anger, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Content going out on all of those all the time. There you go. Enjoy the rest of your week. Crew coming up. We'll see what happens there. And we shall gather again on transfer deadline day, probably on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. And we'll speak to you then. to football, Brexit to Pokeville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Thank you.